Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. We're joined today by Chalice Mitchell and Charlotte Brisland. They're going to be speaking about painting and specifically relationships to audiences, both public and private. Chalice Mitchell is an independent scholar and figurative painter and occasionally video artist who has just relocated back to the United States after living in Japan and the UK. Charlotte Brisland is an associate lecturer in drawing and painting at University of the Creative Arts in the UK and an artist borrowing paintings language and playing with everyday landscape using light and space. Chalice and Charlotte first met in Japan at a residency. And without any further ado, I'll hand the conversation over to these two. Great, thank you, Ellen. Um, so Charlotte and I wanted to start off by talking uh, a little bit on isolation in the studio and what that means for us um, in terms of our painting practice. Yeah, that's right. So um, I also think we had a few conversations prior to this about uh, the word isolation and what it means to us both. Um, connotations which are negative, but um, also how we both feel, um, and I think Chalice will agree, um, how it's completely necessary for the creative process to happen. Um, so what, what does isolation mean to you, Chalice? Well, um, I, I really thrive on solitude. So I, I feel that for me, isolation has never been a negative thing. I, I need all of the time and space to myself that I can get. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Even if other people see the circumstances as isolating, um, I don't need much social interaction, so uh, I never feel lonely with my paintings um, mm -hmm. or with the process. How yeah, because occasionally yeah. I, I felt that isolation really sort of get to me in in, in moments uh, where where every, where I'm not I don't feel I'm connecting to um, the outside world or or an audience or. Um, you know, it can go on. It can go on for days. Uh, being in the studio um, and and just I'm feeling like what you know, what is the point of anything? And what what am I doing it for? And uh, um, and and I have suffered from that. Um, but ultimately, uh, what will happen? Uh, what has always happened is that 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 it breaks because uh, either a painting will succeed. And when so many, you know, so many fail in mm. my um, where something will succeed or um, the audience will crash in. So, uh, you know, an exhibition will suddenly happen or um, like, you know, teaching or I have to go and teach uh, and and uh, suddenly it all makes sense. So it, all the uh, the the time I've spent alone um, in my studio, making that work and really sort of pushing through that sort of sense of um, almost despair uh, that that actually I could never have I could never have gone that deep into my work without it. Mm. Um, and I, so I couldn't I could my teaching wouldn't have 
the quality that it, I believe that it does and I, the painting wouldn't have the quality that I, I believe it does unless I had that that time to to go that deep into into my thinking and my and my practice right right I I um feel the same way sometimes about um connecting with an audience because so I so many of my paintings are failures as well and then maybe 10 percent of the time I'm I paint something that is successful um and then there's an exhibition and only that 10% makes it to the walls of the gallery. Mm. And there's the feedback and, and um, that kind of makes it worthwhile. Mm. But I agree, like teaching, I've always worked fairly social jobs where I am teaching or I'm in the classroom. Um, mm. And so it kind of counterbalances being in the studio in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, as in, so you have the you so so your jobs are not um, not art related, or they are they feed another part of um, of you in some way. Yeah, well, it's I've been teaching for a long time now. Sometimes it's English as a second language, and sometimes it has been painting and drawings, mm. uh, figure or uh, something art related. Mm. But either either way, it's uh, my life in general informs the studio practice. So mm-hmm. because I'm a figurative painter, I need models. So there's a social element and I feed off of mm-hmm. my models aren't just people that do what I tell them to do. And I need to look at them for anatomical reasons. They're also kind of muses in a way so that there's sort of this interaction with my subject matter that's social, but I need the solitude in the studio to really dive into what I'm doing. Mm. Because I think what you do is quite extraordinary, isn't it? That I remember you telling me that you um, you actually have a, a, a uh, you can remember the image of that person photo realistically so you can go you can carry that into the studio with you and carry on with that with no um other visual support yeah I, my i have a semi-photographic memory <laughs> like i can't remember if i were to look at a page from a book i wouldn't remember everything i would remember visually what it looks like and so when it comes to faces i can remember a lot of information or a scene with a person i can remember a lot of information but mm. um, i'm also interested in the places where my memory fails that's interesting yeah so when when my memory fails i i'm really interested in leaving out information and leaving blanks um and not filling in everything i i love the uh areas of ambiguity and possibility Mm. but i feel that there's something in your work that it's it's quite different because you do landscape but there's also a sort of ambiguity in your landscapes um Mm. you know the, the, yeah, and for me, the, the landscapes are very much about that sense. That's the sensation of of being alone and lost in a, a space. Um, it, it's very much there's something. There is something haunting um, that tr- that 
finds its way into the work um that that's necessary that's what i've and i've been looking for it for years this how do i visually how does that visually manifest that sensation of um being being entirely lost in the world and uh disconnected uh from anything so uh, you know is it, i mean interestingly the practice itself feeds into that so i'm i'm not i don't think i'm I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm saving myself. I think I'm just wallowing in it. <laughs> like the only successful yeah. results. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Oh. I mean, that, that sort of that idea of success in the work as well. That's a that's a tried and tested area. That's something, and that's something that has to be done alone. That has to be done in complete silence, where you know you have swathes of time. Um, mm. Uh, and and there, are, you know, there are there are moments in in a painting where I just feel like, how is it that it's taken me twenty years to to work this bit out? Like, and it just it's so it's so it's so dumb. It's so straightforward. It seems so simple now, but it's taken me twenty years of of of, of semi isolation in my studio to to actually work out something that I, I think most people could probably work out quite instantly does that make sense like I agree sometimes it's and it's not even technically it's just it takes mm. it takes a long time to really get down to figuring out a painterly language and sometimes mm. things that seem so obvious to me thematically they've just been eluding me the entire time and I'll look at I'll look at all the paintings in my studio and be like oh that's what I'm working on. Or it's, yes. I'll do a series of paintings and in hindsight, I'll look back on it and and realize it's not about what I thought it was about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're well, kind of the boss sometimes. I think, yeah. I think I'm in control, but they sometimes talk back to me and say, no, that's not working. Mm, uh -huh. I, I, so that's, that's so interesting that you say that. It's the the visual language that I think that um, something I've been thinking, considering and reflecting on recently is that it's extra linguistic. So it's something mm -hmm. where I think we are, we believe that the language that we speak um, reflects, you know, how we think and we feel. Um, and in in many respects, we've got a, quite a handle on language and in and how that reflects our inner lives but visually we seem to be disconnecting and I know that that we're living in a, a world that's visual it's flooded visually but I, f I just feel that there's this visual language that is so intricate in terms when you think about the color spectrum and actually how many colors really exist and it's not the just the primary or secondary or even um tertiary colors it it goes beyond it goes way beyond that so you have thousands of colors and do we really understand them all? And do we really are we really connected to them? And um, and you know, you go back into a painting, you mix a color, and it's different to the color that you made the day before. And it's damn frustrating because you're like, well, because when it's dry, it's a different color again. So am I mixing the right color to to join with what I was working on yesterday? And if it's slightly different, the whole painting can fail. Um, 
And it's like that sort of thing that drives me completely insane and which I kind of would like to not know about because when I first painted, it was so instinctive and it was so fresh and it was so kind of like, duh, that's what I'm doing. And it's like, blur. And the more I know it, or the more I learn about it, the less I really understand. And and the more I can see how intricate it is until it's, the, you know, I've got about six paintings that have failed in the, you know, since the new year. And it's driving me nuts. And I can't understand what's happening. But it's this, it's like this intricate visual language that I, th- that I can't, that is so complex. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I th- I've gone through periods where everything fails, but I think it's a matter of of uh, balancing the spontaneity and also a degree of control. Um, mm. When I take too much control or I feel like I I have too solid of a plan, it just everything dies. Um, and then when I hit on a great formula, it works mm. for a while, but then it's it doesn't take <laughs> much. Um, say that again. It it won't allow itself to be repeated again and again because it dies Mm. yeah because it's a copy of the initial inspiration isn't it which doesn't you know it's it's a pastiche of of your initial um energy and inspiration rather than the original energy inspiration but to constantly come up with that energy and inspiration time and time again is like you know, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah, and I think that's why so few paintings are actually a real success. You know, most of the time it's it's sort of a struggle and I feel like I'm mopping a lot, a lot of my mistakes up off the canvas. But mm. sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this, where you go into the studio and everything, thing that falls off your brush onto the canvas just it's like you're standing back and watching yeah I and, know and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. what? did I do this <laughs> feels <laughs> magical <laughs> yeah yeah I love those days they, they're so they're so rare though mm-hmm. I mean once a year that might happen for yeah. a day yeah yeah and it keeps you going for uh for the rest of the year, the rest of the two years, or the rest of the three years. And it's even better when that happens, not in the studio, but in the classroom when you're giving a demo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. And they're like, wow. And then you sit back and you're also like, yeah. I can totally draw. <laughs> it's like, that's such a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah. But it's so, I find it really, um, if I'm having a, quite a frustrating time in the studio, what's really nice about teaching is, is, that, is that I don't have to do it. Right? Like, so I'm watching the students struggle. I'm like, oh, this isn't my struggle. It's not my struggle. You know, you can be supportive. I obviously, I'm always supportive, but it's, it's that it's not, you know, that it's not just me who struggles it's it is a struggle the creative journey is a struggle um and it does take time and it does take immense patience i think yeah that's that's a really good point and also our failures in the studio they become valid because we can rely on 
our experience of them in teaching students, like we yeah. know what it's like to fail. And the, the process of learning is failure after failure after failure. Mm-hmm. And discovery yeah. through that. It's so it's so important because I remember when I was at, at the Royal College of Art and, you know, this sort of being in this amazing institution in London and being in London for the first time and just feeling like they've made a mistake. They, they've picked me and they've done it. It's a mistake. And I because I can't live up to it. And then um, the director from the painting school, Graham Crowley at the time, and he said, he said, you know, my entire career has been almost, an, you know, 90%, 98% fail. And then just this glimmer of hope in the 2%. And I just, just thought, what a relief, you know, what a relief that somebody I admire so much can stand there and, and say that, that, you know, it really did take the pressure off to an extent for, for five minutes or something. But um, it it's important. It's important to be, to be to make the connection with other artists, I think, and to talk about that and to, you know, accept that actually it is, it's, it's necessary as well. Right. I, I definitely agree. And the freedom to be able to flounder and fail and do terrible work on, on the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really important. Yeah. Um, I wonder about, how that how social media and that kind of uh, relationship to an audience changes or challenges our ability our ability to fail in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you you know put, uh, putting a post putting a post out there is quite brave, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. when, when it's really when it's about your own work and. Uh, I mean, I've I've had experiences of putting, you know, doing a painting that I thought was fantastic. You know, I was like, this is great. I love it. And then and then like the likes <laughs> that come back, which just it's like, no, no one else agrees with you. This is terrible. This is a terrible painting. <laughs> sort of, oh, my God. But vice versa, too, of like putting out something that just like, well, it's all right. I think it's OK. And then you get floods, floods of just, you know amazing feedback it's just it's um it makes me wonder about my judgment facility yeah that I wonder about my judgment because I do something similar um where I'll I'll think I'm doing something great and I'll post it and it's premature because I'll look at it the next day and think oh my god what a piece of shit um or I'll do something and uh, I don't think it's all that great and a year later I'll look and and think that there are some really interesting, impressive things going on that I just wasn't aware of at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard to know what you're seeing when you're doing it all this. <laughs> um, yeah, needs to, there needs to be some time. But I, I think there also, it's, it's very, very di- you know, it's very difficult to stay grounded um, uh, on Instagram and, uh, you know, this like the idea of, um, you know, the feedback and how many likes a person gets for their post. And it's very, I mean, I have found it difficult to stay grounded in my work, uh, and to, to, to remain 
true to what I'm doing and not sort of follow the likes. And I, I mean, it would, I think it's so, it's so important when you're making work that you stay, that you remain within yourself and you remain true to what you're doing and you don't, you know, go astray because of that. And yet I think it's, it can happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, there's also some pressure to continue to post at regular intervals so you don't become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it, it can make the work too rushed or um, not allow for a deep introspective relationship with the paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, 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 you're right. Yes, that I, I agree. Um, I also, because there's a lot of galleries on, on Instagram, so there's also, I don't, and I don't know how real it is, this idea of put, putting your work on out there and, and feeling like it's actually being seen, because is it is it really being seen? Because I'm sure, you know, we've all got one or two galleries or we've all got a few a few followers who feel quite proud of of having or or imagining that they're actually paying attention and 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 are they you know really paying attention or is anyone really paying attention or are they just bored on the loo kind of scrolling through their feed like yeah that's all right it's all right it's all right I mean what to to what capacity (laughs) to what capacity is this a real platform um you know or is it just a you know what how important is it really yeah and it's also a question of um the physicality of a painting and the fact that we we're doing something fairly uh primitive <laughs> like mm. squashing around pigment in oil on mm. um but then we try and capture it on on this teeny little screen. Yeah. And does it do it justice or not? Is it the correct platform to show mm-hmm. what we're doing? Or should we adjust the painting process if we want it to be a global digital platform? Um, it's, yeah. yeah. I'm still trying and- to work out the relationship. I think we all are. Uh, mm. Social media is so new. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people who like or or there's an there's the idea that it's you know artists are taking back the power through it, um, and it's become you know putting the power more back into the hands of the people um, than uh, you know leaving it with the galleries. But I'm not sure that's real. I'm not sure that's actually real. I I question that because. Um, the galleries will often take on some, you know, a, an artist on Instagram who actually has, a, you know, the most followers, say, or uh, you know, seems to be very popular, um, rather than the idea that something is, you know, um, has quality. And so I wonder uh, if the galleries are not still, they're still presiding over over the the entire industry. Um, in uh, in that in that way, and if quality the quality of work that's being made is actually um, becoming more and more diluted, because it 
in my opinion, I think uh, uh, good work is is when the concepts and the what's happening visually are sort of talking well to each other, um, and that actually it's kind of breaking through something that's happened before in the art world or it's kind of you know like re-looking at something or you know there ha- there's some nugget of some something important um for for art per se and uh I, it, i'm not entirely sure i'm not entirely sure those questions are are so central anymore yeah do, do you mean because um, it's become a little bit of a popularity contest. And, yeah. um, so a thoughtful and well-executed conceptually, um, important piece isn't as appealing to a large crowd as something that's just eye candy. Yeah. Yeah. Something with a lot of red in it or pink or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So the key to success is paint with a lot of red and pink. Get a lot of red followers and then get a gallery. <laughs> and then get a gallery, yes. Just, but I, th- I think the next part of our conversation might be, um, we, you know, it, do we need an audience, and what kind of audience do do we do we need, if at all? I mean, c- could you continue working in iso- isolation in your studio, Chalice, if? you were told let's say a little pixie came along now and said i've seen into your future and the future is that you that you will be working in isolation for the studio from now until kingdom come and and that's it could you have <laughs> first of all i like your pixie voice um, and second of all yes i think i think i um i think i could just work in isolation um and i wonder if the work would be freer and um more authentic maybe Mm. I should try it but I also really love the interaction with audiences for example at an opening reception people see things that that do seem obvious but um you 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 find out what is being conveyed because I think that art is a form of communication and as you said earlier it's it's extra lingual um uh it's beyond just verbal communication so i i think it's one of my favorite things is um as an artist is to hear what the audience and the viewers see in the work um so my my artist statements are are often not that detailed when I present in a gallery um, because I want people to tell me what they're seeing. Mm. How about for you? Uh, yeah, I hate artist statements. Um, but working in isolation forever and ever. I mean, the thing is, I wouldn't be happy with it. Uh, I wouldn't be happy learning that really because like you say it's a communication there is I do feel a kind of you know that that there's a sort of um it's like it has another life uh in in the eyes of an audience um and I I, you know really enjoy that uh 
and I, but like you said, you know, maybe it would be freer. Maybe I'd just be like, oh, God, sod these landscapes. You know, I'm just going to, like, paint in pink and red. <laughs> just do whatever I want. <laughs> um, but then there's the bug. And and actually, no, I, I might paint in pink and red for a while, but I would snap right back to it. And um, it's like an obsession. It's like something that has to be done. Like this idea, this mark making and um, this incessant need to do it and I think as long as I'm I'm living and breathing it's something that's got to be made and um and I wonder if I'm a bit dysfunctional for that like doing something that that if it was never seen by anybody would it what would its function then be um apart from just something I need to do I'm not sure I mean I I think I feel like the right answer is to say, of course, I could make this in isolation forever. I feel like that's the, that would be something expected of an artist, um, and it's some. And I think, in, it, you know, you would, wouldn't you? You just would anyway. But I don't. I just wouldn't be happy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's something about seeing how it's landing that's also informative and. I think there's some kind of drive to make an impact, at least for me, on the culture and Mm. to talk back to all the images that I'm being bombarded with that tell me how I should be in the world and how I should expect my life to go in the world. And my work often deals with uh, female embodiment in the world and power and taking it back. Um, Mm. So I, I think that's a motivating force for me. So I want my paintings to be seen, but also the studio practice. It's, it's like a physical visual way of thinking through um, the context that I'm in. Mm. And the visual information that I've absorbed. So mm. it's both. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's for me. And it's also because I want I want to talk back. Yeah. So it sort of it does it has importance in the world that needs to be received in I the hope, world. I feel I feel that it does and then I just hope that the work does that. Mm. Um, or will do that in mm-hmm. 20 or 30 time <laughs> 20 or 30 years from now when I finally hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Well, thank you both. This has been fascinating, and we really appreciate your participation in this episode. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks for inviting me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for giving us the opportunity, and I always enjoy talking to you, Charlotte. So thank you both. Enjoy talking to you too, Charlotte. It's brilliant. <laughs>